Hello and welcome to the Radical Imperfectionist Podcast, a show where together we work to embrace who we are, to grow into our own allies, and to become a source of empowerment for ourselves and those around us. This is Holly and Casper, the Radical Imperfectionist. I am really grateful to have so many of you joining me, and I hope you know how much it means to me that we get to share in this journey together. Today, I want to talk about being a total jerk sometimes. It's really easy to find ourselves feeling stuck, trapped by our feelings, even on our journey toward accepting ourselves and growing and living our lives wholeheartedly. We can know that our feelings are created by our thoughts, and it's also those feelings that produce our actions, but still have a hard time getting out of those very emotions. When I am living in the lies of perfectionism, I'm not the person I want to be to other people or to myself. According to Brene Brown, perfectionism is the belief that if we do things perfectly and look perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. Again, perfectionism lies to us. It keeps us trapped in the thoughts that keep us in suffering. One mental shift that has helped me significantly is realizing that whenever I'm living in the habit of trying to do it all, to do it all well and perfectly, to present to the world or any particular person that I'm doing everything perfectly, I'm not actually here. When I'm acting out of these beliefs, it is out of a reaction to the narrator created by perfectionism that prevents me from thriving, prevents prevents me from liberty. This reacting pulls me out of where I am at, where I am drawn out of the moment thinking about what I should be doing or what I did wrong, what others might think about this or that, and I'm afraid of what might happen if, then I am catapulted out of reality and I am surrendering the power that I do have to live well and find joy to this ruthless masked narrator. Perfectionism does not help us. It does not produce healthy striving or healing growth. We might do well um, while living under the reign of this narrator a little bit um, in our actions, but we're not really living. And we are running in shame and fear the whole time, unaware that we have surrendered our power. It bears repeating that in our society, checking boxes and doing it all and doing it all well is promoted as not only supreme, but actually attainable and how success is measured. We see this as the ideal and because we have the skewed perception that it can actually be achieved, we constantly see ourselves as falling short of this model. If we can't meet this standard, which none of us will, that is seen as a measure of our worthiness, then we're stuck in feelings of shame. Because the focus is so much on what we do and how we do it, not living and being, the moments of our actual lives are being sacrificed. Our presence is literally the greatest gift we possess, but not just to those around us, to ourselves. When we can stop and just be present, We grant for ourselves an escape from the suffering caused by and held within our minds, an escape from the mindless, unintentional, but addictive escape of reality. 
In one of Hal Elrod's podcast episodes that I heard recently, he mentioned, and I'm paraphrasing, that we are only as happy as we are able to experience the moments of joy in our life. Yes, if we don't live in the moment or reflect with gratitude on those moments shortly thereafter, then the beauty and power of the moment to fill us with joy flickers away in the black hole of time that is behind us. In essence, the thoughts that keep us in an obsessive doing mentality steal from us the most precious gifts that we have. The very gifts of being amidst our own lives that provide for us the abundant joy that we seek. The very joy which the lies promise await us at the end of the rainbow of perfectionism, like the myth of the leprechaun and the pot of gold. The beautiful rainbow in gold is before us if we will only stop running from it if we will only stop believing the lies and be. When I'm attempting to do it all right, it is not out of a joyful, grateful springing forth, but a mindset of fear and scarcity. The thoughts running my actions tell me but that there is not enough of whatever it is that I think I need in order to be happy, or to be safe, or to not be hurt in the future, or whatever it may be. These thoughts produce a chest-gripping fear that propels me to act out of anxiety. Anyone that gets in my way of productivity, of checking the boxes, I perceive as getting in the way of the joy and peace that I think awaits if I can only do it all. And the feelings boil up and over and spill all over the people that I care about. When I'm in the present moment, I'm accepting of myself and my reality. I am grateful, I am seeing who is in front of me, and I'm immersed in joy regardless of struggle. The gratitude brings both contentment and the peace of knowing that I have all I need right now. That what is beyond my control is under God's control, and I accept what is as it is. Reality brings a choice. I can accept what's outside of my control and choose to live with joy regardless, soaking in what I do have control over or what is present that is a blessing. Knowing that I won't always understand and the present moment won't be without struggle, but that it is still a blessing. If it were supposed to be any other way right now, then it would be. I know that a lot of this may sound incredibly fluffy and foo-foo for some, forgive my scientific words, but bear with me because I hope that um, the ideas that I've anchored these thoughts to make sense to you shortly. I have two young boys, now five and seven, that are incredibly energetic, bright, and the most creative, inquisitive humans in my life. Their ability to take anything and make a game out of it, to run and jump wildly for hours on end with what seems like bountiful, endless amounts of energy, and their capacity to be present is simultaneously inspiring, beautiful, and yet unbelievably hard and exhausting sometimes. It's funny because before I had kids for years and years, I wanted so many kids. And for several years leading up to parenthood, I said I wanted four boys, and even through the first few years of parenthood, four boys, four, not even kind of kidding here. Then reality, I had two, and I was at capacity, and I still am. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, no part of me is complaining. I am more blessed than I could have ever dreamed having these two rapidly growing, but still somewhat little humans in my life loving me and letting me love them 
every day, but I had no clue. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. As um, someone trying to always do it all right and wanting to be the perfect parent and someone somehow trying to check all those boxes, motherhood sort of crushed me. I question everything and I have to weigh out all decisions and I think I have to make the right decision and there are just too many as a parent to ever feel like you're really doing it well, or at least that's my thoughts anyway. I'm nearly certain that this whole idea amused God and the many women that I've talked to or did before having kids and yet I also know that this kind of stretching and growing is what I personally needed to get where I am and where I needed to be on my path. I know that there are a ton of women out there who are superheroes in my book and able to handle being a mother of three, four, six, or even more children. And to you, my hat is off, not me. Anyway, I also homeschool my kids because I love doing things differently. And again, I question everything. And if you think I'm crazy, you are absolutely right. I unquestionably am, but I also and wholeheartedly love it. Homeschooling is something I wanted to do ever since I was a kid. It was a dream of mine because how I struggled in school, um, but found my way in college, that inspired me. It was a seed that continued to grow because the idea of giving my kids the option of pursuing their passions, of having more time for childhood, and of being able to introduce them to incredible literature and knowledge with care and thought while redeeming my own education and being outside constantly, That was a vision that I absolutely fell in love with. And I do just love it. In this day and age, we have resources galore, groups all over, and no end to the opportunities for us to learn and grow together. I know there are people that wish they could, and I know how lucky I am that I have the opportunity to do this with my kids. This is not something I take for granted. At the same time, it's not all sunshine and roses. It can be really hard sometimes. Uh, constantly assessing curriculum ideas and balancing schedules and priorities and more, but that's also just life and another one of those things that I'm grateful for how it just stretches me. But when the perfectionist Holly takes over, that is when I listen to the thoughts that want to dictate my emotions and actions toward getting it all done now or comparing me to others scarcity thoughts of there not being enough or needing the house to be clean when the energy level of my kids equates them to Tasmanian devils or tornadoes on the loose in our house. Ugh. When these thoughts take over, I become a terrible version of myself. These are the days when parts of me that love this life and can accept what I can and can't control just shut down. I can't handle the thoughts that I'm not good enough or that there's not enough or that I'm failing along with the demands of the actual task of educating my children well. And thus, when they're too loud or too messy, which kids always are, they're supposed to do to be that way, or taking longer to do something than I had planned for, or God forbid, they don't respond to a lesson as I had hoped or whatever, my she-devil comes out with a vengeance. The shame and fear and whatever else are all just too much for me and I snap. I criticize them. Maybe I yell. Maybe I send them away. I might even roll my eyes. I treat them the way that my internal narrator is treating me and making me feel. 
It's like a bully and I become that bully. And if you're a parent, you know that this can be the worst feeling in the world when we're supposed to be the one building them up and yet we're doing the opposite. When the narrator is unchecked in our heads, that's when we're making ourselves Uh, that's when we aren't making ourselves stop to understand why we feel the way we feel, which is resulting from those conversations, those thoughts or lies that are being echoed in our heads. Then we react. People react in different ways, but I know for me, when I can't handle the overwhelm of lies going on in my head, producing fear and shame, I act in that fear and shame and take it out on those around me. Unless I notice it. Unless I am able to notice how I feel, unless I stop long enough to dissect what thoughts are causing those feelings and process them, unless I go counterculture and stop doing enough to be and sit with the priority that is hidden beneath the surface. I can become a total grade A bitch to my kids. It's not something I'm proud of and it's not something easy for me to share, but it is the naked truth. And I want to take accountability. I'm growing from it. I know I'm not the only one who struggles with this. And even if you don't have kids, perhaps this happens at work or with your spouse or significant other, or maybe your sister or best friends, whatever, we all struggle. Maybe to other degrees and maybe it comes out in different ways. Sometimes we're able to shove it down enough to keep the shame and fear hidden as much as possible for as long as we can. But this draws us further and further away from those in our lives we love because we're not facing the truth and we're usually drowning in those emotions. When the feelings are being shoved down, the thoughts are still there. They're still producing those feelings that we keep shoving down. This becomes a powerful pressure, expanding as the emotions continue to build and build as the thoughts breed into more and more lies about how you're not enough, how you're a failure, how you're not pretty or will never find love or whatever the lies are. They multiply and they build and they are running the show while we feel like we are drowning. We feel like we can't breathe sometimes and we get aches and pains and stiffness and sadness. We become exhausted and overwhelmed and lonely and try to cope. There are several points I'm trying to make here, points which could be their own topic of discussion, but the connection of which I find so beautifully compelling that I want to share them, even if briefly. It's when we are pulled out of presence that we are pulled out of who we really are into a reactive shell of a person, living in the past and the future without the connection we desperately need or the healing power of intimacy within connection to those around us, those closest to us. When we are pulled out of reality, we can't find the joy in the moments because we aren't living in the moment. We are living in the past and the future in shame and fear and anxiety. We're living reactively without even knowing it because our brain spirals with what is fed. When we feel thoughts that produce shame, the shame feeds the very thoughts that produced it and our actions align with that, which make us feel shame and think shameful thoughts. This again reinforces itself again and again and again, around and around and around. It's an abundantly prevailing sequence that continues to cycle more and more as it fuels itself. We are acting as this person, This person that isn't even us, but is a pawn of the liar, 
living in a time that isn't now all while the moments pass beneath our noses along the conveyor belt of life. Leaning on this truth is the fact that we're all jerks sometimes, but that is not who we are. Now we have muscles to be jerks and muscles to choose to live life in the present moment with love and kindness, but the muscles need exercising and it's not easy. The muscles that are worked are the ones that get stronger. The more I allow myself to live in this reactive, non-present state, the more I work to strengthen the muscles of being a jerk. And of course, the more I practice presence and becoming aware of what thoughts are causing the emotions I am feeling, the more I work on these and choose the work of living this brave, imperfect life of vulnerability with awareness and all of the struggle that might come in really accepting my emotions, really accepting what's going on within me. The more I condition the muscles that make this ideal living in the present easier, and the stronger I become at recognizing the thoughts and choosing to step into the person that is the best version of me, the version that is working in unconditional love, not reacting out of fear and shame. Another side to this, one that can sort of help us in the deconstruction of the walls built with these lies or thoughts that have been controlling us for so long, the walls that we all have, which are working, we are working right now to take down, is a reminder that this is true for all of us. Every person struggles with this, and that includes those people that have hurt you in your own life. Pain comes from pain, and none of it was or is personal. It's only personal within oneself. One of the four agreements in the Toltec tradition, which is um, written about by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., is don't take anything personally. Don Miguel talks about the idea that each of us are living in our own little world mentally and that each world is different from each other's and because of this, nothing is actually personal. It's within oneself and thus, when we take this perspective, it becomes easier not to allow other people's actions to propel thoughts that hurt us. That doesn't mean they aren't wrong and when someone does terrible things to you that it's not their responsibility or you can't feel hurt. This doesn't mean they shouldn't have consequences either. This is not what we're talking about. Rather, this means that you can let go of the ideas and thoughts that entangle you into emotional pain in your life. It means that you can stop and sit with the idea that when people are believing the lies within their own world, that the lies are running their thoughts, their emotions, and their actions. And thus, their actions are not personal. No matter what they think or you think, they are not personal. They and we may lie, cheat, steal, and do all sorts of painful things in words and actions, but it's because of what's going on inside of each of us. Our actions are because of the lies that we are believing and because we have muscles that have strengthened in that area, making it difficult to use the other muscles that would empower us. And regardless of the why, it's within us and it is not your responsibility, your fault, or actually personal at all when someone does something like that even if it affected you deeply and on a personal level. 
reflecting on this idea, you have the opportunity to choose not to allow the pain others threw your way in their pain to become a narrator for more lies in your life that will run the show for you. This idea can be incredibly freeing. It can be freeing on multiple levels because all of us, no matter how much we try to live in kindness, all of us at times in our lives have lived our lives in response to the lies within our heads and acted in ways that hurt others. Suffering is caused by lies. Only when we know that they are indeed lies and that lies cause the suffering, we can feel liberated and see the choice we have in exercising muscles that will enable us to live the empowered and driven lives of presence and growth and gratitude. Muscles that when strengthened will take us to wherever we are meant to go. This idea can aid you in forgiving yourself for choices you've made while under the influence of lies which hurt other people, and it can help you to forgive others, freeing yourself from incredible amounts of deep suffering. If you've listened to the episode on rewriting your story, I encourage you to sit with these ideas and rewrite the parts of your story where you have thoughts causing suffering, which is holding you back where you need to forgive yourself and where you would find freedom in forgiving others as well. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would recommend you go back and check it out. It's the third episode called The Incredible Power of Rewriting Your Story, but we will do a little practice at the end here or I'll describe one. I know there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of trends out there now about how to be present and it's awesome, but I also know that the presence of too much information or too many options can be daunting and overwhelming to say the least. For those with perfectionist habits who want to do it all right, this can be a trigger that just causes us to skip it because there's just too many choices to know we're choosing the right one. Because of this, I hope to give you some ideas from my arsenal of activities that help me in my struggle with being present. I always want you to leave not just feeling excited about maybe some new ideas you've learned, um, if you have, but feeling that you've got some tools and not too many that you can try to help implement into your life. They may get redundant, but that's both expected and useful in the arena of working toward embracing yourself toward growth and empowerment because you need to exercise these beneficial muscles over and over in order for them to become a habit and to allow them to overpower muscles that you've been flexing for so many years, whether intentionally or not. So before you seek to do anything else, you need to give yourself grace. It is simple but incredibly difficult at the same time to give ourselves grace and I know that probably more than a lot of people maybe. (laughs) But this is the first muscle and it is going to be your most powerful weapon against the lies. You were never expected to do it perfectly and it's in your very imperfection that you learn and grow. So see the beauty in that and practice reminding yourself of the idea that you are enough as you are and the very struggles you have in your journey are building muscles you might not see yet, but you are growing and you are right where you need to be. The one being that is perfect, the creator of everything, offers us an overwhelming and unlimited amount of grace. It's there for the taking and you're not expected to be perfect, but just to be, to live, to mess up, to connect, just to try again. Without grace, we fall into the trap of the lies. 
everything you will ever do is known fully and yet you were made anyway. It was known before time and you were made anyway and you were loved anyway for the very reason that this is not what makes you worthy of love. You're enough in all of your beautiful imperfection and you always were from your first breath to your last and every moment in between. You need grace. You also need space to really let that grace soak in and be accepted. Then and only then will you begin to be able to accept yourself. And when you start to see yourself as God sees you, then you will be able to not just accept who you are, but fully embrace yourself with a love that says, I do not need to be anybody else. I'm not here to compete, but to grow to love and be loved. So once we have found a space of grace for ourselves, we can work on becoming more aware and in our bodies, um, and both in our bodies and in just mental presence. Meditation isn't just for yogis and hippie gurus. Indeed, it's now a pervasive idea to hear about meditation in our culture, but there is a way to find growth in it for everyone and to find a practice that works for you regardless of where you're at or what your personality is. The easiest meditation ever for me has been one without all the bells and whistles. It's as simple as just sitting in a chair and paying attention to the sensations of the organs working in your body, focusing on the surfaces of your body that are touching other surfaces, where tension sits, where there is any discomfort or other sensation, then to lean into the feeling of your lungs as you breathe in and out. And in this breathing, remembering that you don't make the breath happen, but it comes. It just comes and goes. God's very manifested love is in your just sitting and being, in whatever you are doing while your lungs are rhythmically and faithfully filled with air day in and day out, until we are able, until we are to be in this body no more. Just sit and feel the breath. Sit in gratitude until you're done then do it again tomorrow and the day after that or maybe later that day. Do this and try to make it a habit of doing it every day, even if only for a minute, for five weeks, and you'll have formed a new habit along with the benefits this habit has on your awareness. Taking this one step further is the idea that you can help to practice the muscle of presence by making just everyday activities into a mindfulness or meditation rehearsal for yourself. I prefer to do this during self-care activities, and that doesn't always mean the most enjoyable self-care type of activities, but those things where you are caring for your body, your vessel of life, they can be the most satisfying activities, at least for me, for this practice. Try when you're showering to feel the soap, the water, the warmth, or the cold. Try feeling the strands of your hair as you wash, or the curves of your body. This is something that takes time, but it's time that you're already using for self-care and it brings to you to where you are. You can even do this while you're washing the dishes or folding the laundry, but I really do prefer activities where I'm connecting with my body by listening or responding to it. Maybe you can even try this when you go to the bathroom. I know I'm not good at filtering here, so hopefully this isn't TMI, but truly, allowing yourself to actually be fully present in fulfilling your body's needs in this way or other ways, in mindfully drinking a glass of water, in feeling your body as you lie down and get relaxed in bed and when you wake up in the morning. 
No, these aren't meditation in the traditional sense, but being fully in your body and connected to this moment no matter what you're doing takes you out of the story that is being told in your head a little, and it connects you with the moment as it is happening. Your thoughts can come and go, and you don't need to correct them or yourself as they distract you. Again, this muscle needs practice, and you won't stop the thoughts. You're actually not supposed to stop the thoughts. Our brain was built to think and narrate but you will become more and more aware of the thoughts that do come and go and start to see where the narrator is guiding your emotions and controlling your joy. If your thoughts come from a place of gratitude and love that has no conditions whatsoever, then those are thoughts of your ally and will produce more gratitude and more love. As the ally is the narrator that is there to help you, it's the voice of God or the voice of the person you are inside, the one you're meant to be the one you are growing into. But if your thoughts are those of fear and shame and anxiety, those thoughts are of the liar and those thoughts are producing more fear, shame and anxiety and they will continue to do so. Noticing them is like unveiling the little old man behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. You still hear the voice, but now you see the source of the lies you now begin to have a bit more choice in listening to the lies or in hearing them and choosing instead to remind yourself of the truth. Another practice that helps to expose what stories being told in your mind is identifying what thoughts are driving your feelings. Pull out a piece of paper or a page on your phone or computer and start to write out how you're feeling. If you're angry, why? Start to write out what you think is causing your anger. If your narrator is telling you a story about what someone did that made you angry, realize that it's actually your thoughts that result in the anger. And the anger is usually masking another deeper feeling. What thought is it? Is it that you have an opinion of how a person should have done something, should have treated you? This is not about judging the thoughts, just about finding the source. If you don't know the feelings, but perhaps you're aware of what you're thinking. Maybe you just keep saying something over and over in your head, like, it's not okay that he talked to me like that, or whatever. You might realize if you keep writing that you feel unloved. You feel that someone's love was conditional and maybe your underlying fear feeling is fear or shame of perceiving yourself as not being enough, enough to be loved. We're not here to fix your feelings because feelings are there to show us what we are thinking. We can be grateful for those. Feelings are there for a reason. They are alerts, so allow them to speak to you. But realize that what you are thinking is one of your narrators. It's your brain interpreting things and telling a story. Realize realize that this doesn't have to be the version of the story that you listen to. But first, allow yourself to feel heard. Get all of the thoughts and the feelings down on the page however they organically come out and don't judge yourself or the feelings that aren't aligned with how you want to think or feel. Just honor yourself enough to uncover the thoughts. Unveiling them takes away some of their power, like I said, and it allows you to be able to reflect on those thoughts and feelings to see where they're coming from. Now determine which narrator they're coming from. They aren't coming from the ally if they're thoughts and and feelings that are causing you emotional suffering. Now reflect on what you just got out, again, without judgment. 
You're not here to shame yourself. You're here to uncover lies, find truth, and experience healing. And getting the garbage out is a part of the process. It doesn't make you bad. Remember, we don't actively choose a lie-based story being told in our heads so often. But now that we know what story is being told, we can choose to sit with it, digest it, allow our brains to make some connections, and then try to look for an outside perspective from the perspective of unconditional love and acceptance of what is not in your control. You can look with grace and plenty and choose how you want the story to read. Rewrite the story in a way that actually empowers you and offers you love and growth. Include in it forgiveness and an understanding that there are many different perspectives to every single story. There are so many ways the stories can be told and you get to choose once you're aware of how the story is being told to your brain, which story is being told. This is powerful stuff. The truth is we're all jerks sometimes. We hurt other people when we're hurting, but we hurt ourselves most of all. Nobody hurts someone out of unconditional love and acceptance, and yet the hurt people attempt to inflict by way of their words and actions do not have to be the verdict of our pain. We can gain tools by strengthening these various muscles with proactive repetition, which allows us to be aware, reflect on, and make choices with the thoughts that produce our feelings and affect our emotional well-being. We can work to live in the present moment so that we're not drowning in the lies of the past and the future, and so that we're not robbed of the joy that we have before us. Life will still have struggles. This doesn't take all of that away, but it's not meant to. You'll mess up, but you'll forgive yourself and learn incredible lessons that will help you to help others and continue to help yourself. As I've said in another episode, I'm that taking responsibility for your actions does not need to propel you into a shame cycle. Messing up means you're human. You can be accountable for your actions and move forward with grace and acceptance while not allowing this to mean that you are not lovable and should be ashamed of yourself. Shame only perpetuates lies. This week, I hope you will make a practice of giving yourself grace to mess up. The grace needed to not only survive, but to thrive in this messy, beautiful world. The grace needed to live in the moment and find the joy that we are forever seeking. Each week, I write about something that deeply resonates for me, not out of mastery, but out of my own needs for the very thing I write about. I write this to connect with you while we both trudge on and I don't claim to have it all figured out, but I truly hope that what is helping me will help you as well. I'm excited that you have come to join me and I would love to hear from you. Please reach out on Instagram, share your story with me, share your victory and your struggle. We are in this together. Until next time, this is Holly Ann Casper, the Radical Imperfectionist. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you'd like to stay current on whatever is posted, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can also head over to theradicalimperfectionist.com for other resources. Have a wonderful day.